0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the House of Bliss podcast, your favorite show you've never heard of, and the internet's best kept secret. My wife asked me if I practice that in the mirror, and yes, yes I do, except for the fact that uh, I don't need a mirror because this is a podcast and you don't get to see my lovely face. Speaking of lovely, it is a gorgeous, blustery day out there, there's sheets of white snow all over the place. And giant piles of oily black, like, you know, that sludgy sort of stuff that gathers on the side of the road. And there's also salt all over my car. So, yeah, I like the snow, but I'm a little over it, too. But anyway, hey, next month, I'll be leading my second ever school of happy evangelism. Um, And also, if you didn't catch it yet, last week on this very show that you're listening to, I posted... One of the sessions from that first round of schools, and I thought it was really good. In fact, it was one of my favorite things I've ever done, and uh, somebody actually called it edutainment with Holy Spirit power. To me, that's about the highest possible compliment I could get. So if you're interested in joining us, I will be putting all the information uh, on our Facebook page, House of Bliss, or I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash HobPod and you'll get all the dates, the times. It's completely free. You don't have to sign up. Just show up, come ready to bless people, learn how to, how to flow in words of knowledge and Holy Ghost power, healing the sick. You can do it. Yes, you. And I've got something else I'm really excited about. Um, for those that may not know, I lead a rock band called Glowing Moses. I actually took a step back from it last year to prepare for the birth of my son. But now that he's getting older and a little toothier, things are in motion again. So I just got to spend several hours last week at one of the nicest studios in Cleveland with my bandmates. It was so much fun. There's something just magical about blaring amps, shiny tech, roaring guitars, whiskey, and sushi. And uh, we've been cooking up some new material that we've got coming out uh, probably next month or maybe March. And I seriously can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, One of the songs is just pure caffeine. I love it. I'm so excited for it to come out. And for those that may not know me personally, I love to worship. I love worship. But I'm not the biggest fan of worship music. I'm not sure who made the executive decision that it always has to sound like soft rock and Imagine Dragons but it's just not for me. I find myself a little bit stuck because I can't vibe with a lot of the music that I actually love, um, partly because I'm a mega, mega feeler, so I really can't just listen to music. I'm actually feeling and discerning the atmosphere and the spirit behind the music, and so a lot of my favorite bands, unfortunately, I just I can't even listen to them. So this band has been a way for me to, to create something that I would actually genuinely want to listen to, you know, something arty that has teeth and um, is, is kind of off the wall, but with all the power and anointing of worship music. Anyway, if you haven't heard of us, we're called Glowing Moses, and it would be a huge help to me if you could like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, um, you can listen to us on Literally everything, YouTube, Spotify, I mean, the whole works. Check us out, but as always, I will put a link in the description of this episode. (laughs) Did I just do that? Did I just cram a commercial for my own rock band into my podcast? I sure did. It's my podcast, and I do what I want. I love podcasting. I can literally do whatever I want, like do the rest of this episode sounding like Alvin and the Chipmunks. But no, just kidding, I would not do that to you. I want to talk to you guys about something that is very, very important to me. In fact, I was thinking about this recently, and if I had one message, just one, that I could speak to any church, anywhere, this would be it. Like, if I somehow found myself addressing a Southern Baptist convention, or maybe a a Catholic breakfast for nuns, maybe on Sid Roth or lecturing at Oxford, this is what I would preach. And actually, last week, I got the chance to fill in for the youth pastor at my church, and I said something very similar to what I'm going to say to you guys today. And it was amazing to see the kids respond. Uh, the Holy Spirit moved. There, there were people laughing, weeping, falling out in the Spirit. We had a few people get healed of things. And it just reminded me of like how deeply I hold this in my heart. And I also believe this. He is real. He's so real. And I believe truly in my heart that as you listen today, you are going to experience his power as you listen. So all I ask is that you open your heart, open your mind, and get ready to really encounter God, not just hear another podcast. There's plenty of those out there, but I do this because I want to encounter Jesus with you guys. So, I want to start with a few questions. Do you ever just wonder, what is it all for? Although I've been a real follower of Jesus for about 10 years, I've been going to church all of my life. Ever since I can remember, my parents were devoted churchgoers. When I was young, Uh, My dad served as a pastor for many years, and so that means I basically spent a minimum of three times a week in church. And now that I've been in ministry for a while myself, I've had the pleasure of visiting loads of different churches. I've been to Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Black churches, Chinese churches, Peruvian churches, Pentecostal, non-denominational, Nazarene, Lutheran, Unitarian, Mennonite, Calvinist, Vineyard, so many others. Um, And along with just attending church, I've been an active participant in church my whole life. I've been on sound team, worship team, youth, kids, young adults, nursing home, set up, tear down, homeless ministry, street ministry, kitchen ministry, Christmas decorating, you name it. I've done it. If you've ever been around like the swirl of church activity, you know what it's like to just start to wonder like, what is it all for? Like, what are we doing here? what are the baptists down the street doing what are the lutherans doing does this whole jesus thing really just amount to church culture or is there more and so in all of my travels and church going i've observed something in every church every one there are two distinct types of people there are people who sit there completely unmoved I've been in services where literal gold dust is appearing out of thin air, supernatural healing is flowing, and I look over and there's people busy on Facebook. Or I've sat in churches where the sermon just feels like it's the most important and revelatory thing ever spoken, but I have to like strain to listen over people who are chatting away about tuna salad or whatever. And look, no judgment. I was one of those types for 16 years of my life. They might be really good people. They might be excellent church members who serve the poor every Thursday and teach Sunday school to quadriplegic kittens. I don't know. But there's a deadness in their eyes. Like, you get the feeling that if Jesus just showed up in the flesh, they'd just be like, yeah, that's cool, but have you played the new Call of Duty? (laughs) But then there's this other group of people and they're in every church and no matter how deeply i might disagree with certain traditions or theologies there are always people present who have a fiery unmistakable love for jesus they are those ones who have experienced something more they could be hyper charismatics talking about visions they've had or they could just be like certified southern baptists passionately discussing Calvinism, but what blows me away about this quality I'm talking about is it's it's beyond intellect. It's beyond doctrine. It's beyond denomination. It's way, way deeper than church activity. No matter what form it takes, there are just certain people who really seem to know Jesus. Why is that? So I actually asked this question a bit differently to youth group last week. I asked them to consider where they are. Like, have you ever just kind of thought about the absurdity of sitting in church? Why are we there? So I asked them to think about it. Why, why do you think our pastors are here? Why do you think we care? Why, why would I care if you come to church or not, or stay pure or not, or serve on Sundays, or read your Bible, or believe in Jesus? Is it really just because we're so caught up in this elaborate social group? No, no, it is because we have seen something. We have felt something and we have met someone real. When the apostle John opens his first letter, he shares what motivates him. I'll read this to you. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life the life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that check this out so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ We write this to make our joy complete. That's what this whole Christianity thing really boils down to. Fellowship with the Father that produces complete joy. Like, if you were to look under the hood of what really drives things, what really causes people to wake up and do the church song and dance day in and day out, you see that there are many parts of the church that unfortunately make God out to be this Zeus-like figure, who's got to be appeased by moral activities, that this Zeus God is primarily concerned with being served by submissive obedience. But this passage from John is pointing to an altogether different driving essence, one where the eternal family of Father, Son, and Spirit is open to us. Ugh, that we would understand the weight of what we've been given. In a time where the whole world is trying to flex and gain more status, more followers, more Gucci belts, more whatever, Jesus had infinitely more splendor, and he left it behind. Why? Jesus didn't take up the stigma of being born to a teen mom from the rough side of town to give you church. Jesus didn't allow himself to be falsely accused, mocked, and tortured to hand us a statement of beliefs for our website. He wasn't stripped naked and paraded through town with a heavy cross strapped to his back to be a good example for us. And Jesus didn't take the full curse of sin, suffering through all of our darkness and alienation, so that we could be nice, polite, church-going members of society. No, Jesus sweat blood, had his beard ripped out, his skin torn apart, his hands and feet pierced, and his name smeared so that you could know the Father. The Bible says that Jesus suffered it all for the joy set before him. But what was that joy? What was it that kept him going when every bone in his body ached for relief? What kept him going when they cut his brow open with a crown of thorns what made him continue when they were beating his skull with clubs and he you know have you ever thought like he could have obliterated them with a single command so what kept him going it was his loving kindness towards you fellowship with you was the joy set before him see he was looking forward down throughout eternity with wonder at the day when you would wake up and embrace the gift of being part of this covenant family see the bible says that he is our inheritance but it also says that we are his inheritance or his reward you (laughs) think about this you are the reward for his suffering it's interesting Whenever I talk to my friends who are in the new age, uh, the big thrust for them is that everything is kind of about this faceless cosmic force called love, the universe. And I understand why they do that. Um, for a lot of people, the idea of a, of a personal God is limiting. And so they're trying to make God seem bigger by making it more of like this universal power. The problem is they will often say that Jesus was just another enlightened soul here to show us the path to love. But the truth about love is so much better than that. Think about this. Love cannot be anything other than deeply personal. It has to have intimacy. It has to have two parties that are capable of understanding each other. It has to have two parties that can give themselves to each other. Love cannot be a one-way street or it ceases to be love. So Jesus, Jesus came to bring us into something that is so much more beautiful and personal than a faceless universal principle. Because this God, this Father that he went on and on about, has a face. He has a voice. He knows your name. And you can communicate with him. And he can talk to you. You can actually feel his tangible presence within you and around you each and every day. You can know this God like a friend, a husband, a master, a father, a brother, a king, a lover, a leader, a shepherd, and so much more. So you see, this is where theology really begins to matter. Because when you ask the majority of Christians why Jesus came, they will rightly quote John 3.16, that he came to give us eternal life. But somehow, that phrase eternal life has morphed into meaning getting us into heaven when we die. But Jesus himself actually defined eternal life, as did John. Before he went to the cross, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you. The one true God. Now, this word that gets translated as no, this translation doesn't really do the meaning justice. So let's dive in a little bit. Can you put on your thinking cap for me? Once we understand what Jesus meant, we can begin to grasp what this more of Christianity looks like. See, the word no here is a form of the Greek word genosko. It is the counterpart to the Hebrew word yada. You should just say that out loud, yada. Yada has many fascinating meanings in the Old Testament, but when they translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, they used Gnosko to be the equivalent. So, so Yada and Gnosko are essentially the same. So, what does Yada mean? As Kevin Dedman points out, there are five distinct dimensions of knowledge. If this whole thing, if this whole thing is about being invited into a living relationship with the covenant family of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's important to know how God wants you to know Him. In what ways does He want you to to know and explore this relationship? So let's talk about these five. The first is to know the details like a detective. Think about how carefully a detective has to search a crime scene. I'm really not into true crime. I don't I really don't get into that. But I do love a good mystery. And so I love hearing those stories where like one single little hair or one teeny tiny tro- uh drop of blood just completely shifts an in investigation. I've been studying the Bible carefully for years and I still find stuff that makes me go, "What? How did I miss that?" Friends God is the ultimate mystery. And we have the honor of seeking him out carefully. He will thrill us time and time again with new details, new sides of his face that we have never known before. I love this, but Dan McCollum talks about how the the heavenly creatures around the throne are constantly shouting, holy, 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 and falling down on their face. And he just talks about how, like, they're not bored up there. It's like every time they get up from their stupor, they see another side of God they've never seen before, it overwhelms them, and they fall down, and they shout, holy, 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 all over again. Uh, yada also means to know in a technical sense. Now, this is different than knowing that something works. It's knowing how it works. Like, for example... I honestly have no idea how my car works. My dad's tried to explain it to me many times. I just don't get it. I know there's fire, I know there's fuel, I know there's hoses, but I don't know how it all works together. Um, Funny enough, I had a friend a while back who told me that uh, she she was never told that she was supposed to, to check the oil in her car. And so eventually she just ran out of oil and fried her engine. It just goes to show you can drive a car without understanding it. But God wants you to understand that He has ways. Like, have you ever just watched and observed? Like, have you noticed certain things really seem to move the Spirit of God, like testimonies or praise? Um, Or have you ever just wondered, how does healing work? How does it flow? How does it operate? How do we work with God on that? I love the attitude of John G. Lake, who founded the Healing Rooms. He actually went so far as to call his staff healing technicians. See, I find it fascinating that we are invited to know God like this. Yada also means to know by personal experience. This is the one for you mystics out there. I find it so weird that there are professors out there who teach about business without ever having owned or operated one. I mean, there's people out there who know music theory who can't play an instrument. That's, that's very different than being able to sit at the piano and, like, emote something beautiful with your heart, to captivate a room, to be able to actually feel the music and know what's going on. It's not theory. It's knowing by experience here's a funny example but if you imagine that you had a brain tumor and you walk in for surgery and some guy is like hello there i will be your surgeon today hey by the way i've never actually done this before but i did see a video once next (laughs) there is a there is a certain there's a real value in knowing something by personal experience Yada also means, similarly, to be familiar with. You see, there are certain permissions in a relationship that require history or familiarity. Like, for example, if I saw the president walking around with his posse, how weird and inappropriate would it be for me to just stroll up to him and be like, Yo, dude, you want to grab some sushi later? I know this place that's just your taste. You're going to love it. I'll call you later, okay? And by the way, it's also your turn to buy." No, secret security would probably beat me up and throw me outside. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know him. I haven't spent time with him. I'm not one of his golf buddies. I'm not one of his friends. I don't, I don't have the right to just stroll up to him and ask him for things like that or treat him as if we've been buddies forever because we haven't. <laughs> Here's another funny one. Um, <laughs> when I was eight years old, I was standing in line with my dad at Home Depot. So eight years old, I'm, I'm about, my head is probably at about most average guy's waistline at that point. And I remember I was standing in line just minding my own business when a mosquito was buzzing around me. I hate mosquitoes, so I just, whap, I just whacked it. Problem was, there was a guy right in front of me, and so I happened to give him just a big hearty slap right on the butt. <laughs> and the guy... He just like jumped and looked behind him like, what the heck? It was so so embarrassing. Now my wife would probably think a little bit differently about me doing that. Why? <laughs> because certain permissions require familiarity and that's what we're invited into. not that God is holding things back from us, but that there is a t- there's a real living history that he wants to invite us into, to, to know him as a friend through the good times, through the bad times, to actually feel the weight of that friendship with him. And the last one here, and don't don't freak out on me, stay with me. The last one, yada, is used for a sexual type of knowing. Um, so I'm not trying to take this in like a weird direction, but sex and covenant are always meant to go hand in hand. God actually gave us human sexuality as a sacramental outflow of covenant, family, and fruitfulness. So it should never be understood outside of covenant family. But there's a oneness that produces more life. Um, Out of the outflow of covenant married love, life is always created. Like, think about it. The Bible actually uses this word Yada. The Bible says Adam knew Eve and they conceived a son. The New Testament mentions more than once that God's seed is within us. It's literally the same word as sperm. So sex is the closest that two human beings can be physically. And God gave us this as a glimpse into our oneness with Christ. But obviously, it falls short. Because the Bible says that we, the oneness with Christ that we have, is so much deeper than that. The Bible says that we are actually one spirit with God. We are His actual temple, His physical dwelling place. He flows through us and we live in Him. And so the more that this union is enjoyed, the more life is produced. It multiplies. And that is a type of knowing that is just indescribable, to actually co-create with somebody is so tender and so amazing. So the reason I bring all of this up is because what I what I wish the whole church could understand is that to know him is truly an all-encompassing five senses kind of knowing. To know him really does take all of your heart your soul, your mind, and your strength. I hear this false dichotomy all the time between head knowledge and heart knowledge. But it's not an either-or thing. They are both valid and essential modes of knowing God. And so that's why denominations that emphasize head knowledge, they still have those people who are just as passionate as those who emphasize heart knowledge. The issue is, is there a desire? Is there a true, deep desire in your heart to really know God in every way that He can be known? One of my favorite verses in Ephesians talks about knowing the love of Christ. I think the, new, uh, I think the NLT, the New Living Translation, pretty much nailed it because they just went for it and translated it like this. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, people accuse charismatics all the time of being too experience based, as if the only way to know God is through the mind or the written scriptures. But it's right here in the Bible. We see that the love of God necessarily has to be experienced. To know His love, is to feel and experience his presence it's a felt reality speaking of i can feel him right now hallelujah we'll we'll talk about this way in depth another time but the idea that our god is the god who is physically present, god with us is like Still one of the most revolutionary ideas in all of religion. Lots and lots of religions have morals. Lots and lots of religions have deities and gods and rituals. But only one God actually physically dwells inside of his people and makes himself fully known, and that is Jesus Christ. This is what drives me. This is why I wake up each and every day. Because this love is so real, so rich, so tangible, that I would give anything for all of my friends and family and co-workers to know it too. His love is complete in and of itself. He has nothing to take from you. God doesn't need or demand your submission, but actually he's fully willing to provide and give himself to you first. I once read a Facebook status that said something like this, If we don't make time for God now, what makes us think he will make time for us in eternity? And with all due respect to that person, this completely, completely misunderstands the love of God. Because we couldn't make enough time with a thousand lifetimes. With all of eternity, we could never ascribe enough worth to the beauty of God. And yet he gives us the honor of worshiping anyway. His love is not like human love. Even the greatest and most fairy tale marriages have some degree of transactionalism in there. Humans can't help it. We're limited beings. You love me and I will love you. I'm here to give, but I also have needs. If you fail to meet them, we'll have problems. Too many problems. There could be divorce. But that's what's crazy about God. He transcends all of this dynamic. He doesn't get worn down. God is the only being who can give himself unreservedly even to those who reject him and spit on him and curse his name because he has no need. He has no lack. He just is love. To borrow a line from Amanda Cook, your love's not fractured. It's not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious. It's not the restless kind. Your love's not passive. It's not disengaged. But it's always present, hanging on every word we say. Your love keeps its promises. It keeps its word. It honors what's sacred because its vows are good. Your love's not broken. It's not insecure. Your love's not selfish. Your love is pure. You see, when you know this love, when you learn to live in it day in and day out, life ceases to be a slog. You don't actually have to fight each day to keep your head above water, but existence itself becomes the most exquisite gift because every day is another day to know him. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if that all sounds foreign to you or ethereal, well, that is exactly my point. My friend, none of us like to wake up and feel like we've missed out. But if you're not experiencing this, I have some good news for you. There is more. And I can tell you from my experience that this thing is so real. And he wants you. He's jealous for you. And with every breath in my lungs, my aim is to help people to really experience the Father's embrace. I'm going to end this right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pray for you guys. But next week, I'm actually going to talk about some of those things that can happen in our hearts and minds that make us feel blocked. See, God never withholds. He is full blast for you. But on our end, we can actually experience blockages. And so I'm I'm going to go through very practically and prayerfully and just kind of lead everybody in an encounter to remove these things from your heart. But in the meantime, today, I want to invite you guys into the same encounter that I gave to the kids and youth group last week. So I want you to just close your eyes if you can, open your heart, open your hands, and just think about this. Jesus has all the power. I read somewhere that they discovered a star so large that if it were a football field, our sun would be the size of a golf ball compared to it. Jesus made that. With his words, he can do anything. But there is one thing that he will not do, and that is open your heart. Jesus comes with real, authentic vulnerability, and he says to you, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and dine with him. He wants friendship. He wants to show you his ways. He wants you to feel familiar with him. He wants you to know your union and the joy of co-creation with him. So just put your hands out and let me pray here. Father, thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to make yourself known right here and right now over the airwaves. Daddy God, I ask you right now that you would begin to move on those listening, that they would feel your tangible, weighty Holy Spirit. I pray that you move beyond every obstacle, every blockage, every every calendar day that we woke up and felt like we were missing out and form disappointments around that, Lord. I pray that you even move past that and just show everyone listening that today is a new day. Today is a gift because we can know you. If you're listening to this, I bless your spirit right now in the name of Jesus Christ to rise up over your experience, over your soul, over your body, to be in charge. And I give you permission, Spirit, to feel. I give you permission to feel. I speak to every part of people that you designed to feel. And I say, wake up. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up. It's time to know the Father. You were designed for this. And Lord, I pray that from this day forward, every single time they open their mouth to speak to you, that they would feel this electric, tangible love flowing around them and through them and and, and in them. And that this would be a true turning point in their relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the House of Bliss podcast. Hey, if you'd like to support this ministry, it is super easy to do it. All you need to do is click the link in the description of this episode and go to our Patreon page. Sign up there for as little as a dollar a month. You can not only support us, but you can get access to all kinds of super cool behind-the-scenes benefits. Thanks so much for considering it, and God bless.